0: Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we struggle with the child cap on the K.O. pectate bottle as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 98th episode in the series, Sophia's Choice.
1: Uh, You know, this is another one of those sort of sad old people (laughs) episodes that I often would avoid, you know, when it came back on. Um, just because I think Lillian, you know, it's, she just, it's kind of like a halfway through the episode almost that it actually starts getting like super sad, you know, like the moment where she is confused and breaks the vase and all of that. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's again, like, as we've typically seen, like watching it again, I'm like, wow, it's even funnier than I remembered. And we've got all the boobs on the table, (laughs) the beast story, (laughs) um, (laughs) But yeah, it's definitely one I haven't watched as much as the others.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think I actively avoid it. Um, I also just want to start with a disclaimer that uh, if you're a listener who doesn't like when we get political, quote unquote, um, (laughs) you know, Ronald Reagan ruined our economy. He sabotaged international development. He perpetuated racist stereotypes all through his presidency. He let an entire generation of gay men die. And he also is directly responsible for Lillian. Like, he's the one who, his administration, you know, did these cuts. This is a real thing that happened.
1: Yes. Um, yes, exactly.
0: So, anyway, Ace facts. it's family really politics.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> <laughs> Look else. No, but I, am I'm, I'm happy you said that. I mean, not the disclaimer, like, honestly, we're gonna, we're gonna speak, we're gonna speak truth to power here. And like, you know, as Jim Colucci would agree with us, like, there's, it's really difficult to be a hyper conservative and actually truly enjoy the show. But I think, <laughs> um, you know, you dug up some really interesting detail, not only about like this era and the comments about the cuts that are made. Um, and I also I love the sort of setup to the expectation of support from your country where Dorothy says, if it's licensed by the state, your friend, your friend will be just fine there. Like that line in the very beginning just makes you like kind of clutch your heart. Cause you're like, Oh, but Dorothy, it's not true. <laughs> right. That's um, what's
0: like, that's what's so, I actually think also like, so we've, I think we've mentioned um, that we wrote um, we wrote a paper basically about the Golden glory and we it's you know it's, it's got a couple different um angles in there and one of them is about how the show um shows rather than tells a lot of the time and I think that what you were saying like Dorothy sort of like approaching it with this kind of like rose-like naivete that's that oh if yes. it's licensed it'll be fine you know like it's approved which I I think a lot of people kind of have, I think generally we're a little bit more distrustful of the government now, but I still tend to be like, well, it passed inspection or, you know, like, oh, it's totally. approved by who, like, whatever. Like, so I feel like that type of, um, kind of like trust in the system and to watch it kind of like slowly whittle down until a part of the system, the manager of the, um, of sunny pastures, like, has to tell her that like he there's nothing he can do because it's out of his totally. hands. You know that's I think what's really powerful about this episode,
1: and I think it's you know it's like when you were talking about like oh you still trust the government things. It's like well that's that's just the social contract. What do we have to go on if you don't believe that these structures are in place to protect you, right? And I think that I love that you said it was rose-like naivete because it reminds me of Kate Brown's you know, essay about Rose and the American Dream. It's sort of the same idea of like, well, of course they're gonna be there to protect us, right?
0: <laughs> and these Maggie. women
1: are hyper-privileged white women, straight women, you know? And I mean, it's like, it's, that's not even, you know, vaguely including like other marginalized populations who have long come to not trust that these institutions are there for their benefit. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think that that's a lot of the heavy lifting that this episode is doing is having someone like Dorothy, who yes, is critical of policies, but still is like the baseline has to be there, right? (laughs) Having her mind fucking blown, you know, having her mind blown twice. Once when she actually sees for herself what the conditions are and then, the second, at the end of the episode, which is almost like a twist in a way where the director actually is like, I agree with you. (laughs) And she's like, I'm sorry, what? And it's so wild. It's just, it's really fascinating. But yeah, Um, can you pull up um, a a quote that the, you found some really interesting um, information for our paper about uh, nursing homes and the the policies they're in, meaning the cuts. (laughs) Exactly. And, and also just like how that actually precipitated conditions today during the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: Yeah, so actually, um, if I may say so myself. I think we did a really good job drawing that line. But so this is, um, we- <laughs> You may, you cited, may say that. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so there's an article that we cited by Robert Pear um, from the New York Times in 1981. And I'll just tell you that the headline is Reagan officials seek to ease rules on nursing homes. So there you go. These um, rules,
1: what a, what a light headline.
0: Right, okay. And then, um, so I'm just gonna start now quoting from our paper. Um, we say this episode, referring to this one, uh, while completely fictional, represented a very real situation for millions of Americans at the time, especially as the Reagan administration endorsed repealing standards, such as the requirement that nursing homes must not employ people with communicable diseases in favor of slashing budgets. One is able to draw a line directly from this Reagan administration policy to the disproportionate, disproportionate, disastrous effects of COVID-19 on nursing homes in 2020, with a study in the New England Journal of Medicine stating that the tragedy unfolding in nursing homes is the result of decades of neglect of long-term care policy, Um, and that's from uh, Warner Hoffman and Co. uh, is the citation there, but yeah, I mean like a basic rule that you shouldn't you can't have a communicable disease and work in a nursing home the Reagan administration was like no that's costing too much money cut it
1: wow it's insane. <laughs> wow it's just it's yeah it's just incredibly sad as this episode lays out and I think it's you know the this is this is like social safety net stuff where the conservative side of things says oh we spend too much but you know, because it's supposed to be some sort of personal responsibility and it's framed around the idea that a sole breadwinner, typically a male head of household, will be able to sort of carry all of the necessary, you know, funding and requirements needed to support an entire family. And that's you know, and that's like the millions of things that you need to support an entire family, not even just including this one sort of data point, which would might be an elderly you know, mother or father, <laughs> your friend or somebody that you'd have to care for. Not, I mean, it's just, it's just hyper unrealistic. And it's just, it's fascinating to me that millions of people still hold this viewpoint today, that this is a practical, like handle it yourself type of concern.
0: Yeah. I mean, we still have a, you know, social safety net for old people. I think we've talked, um can't remember what episode it was, but it's definitely come up where like, you know, there's a huge portion of, uh the elderly population who's on medicare medicaid and also um you know on welfare and basically that's it like if you don't have a private retirement account what are you supposed to do and like you said the answer is america's like oh well ask your ask your kids or ask your relatives or something like or that or
1: just or and, you fucked up right or like right. You, sorry you you didn't save enough millions of dollars to to cover the high cost of health care because you were lucky enough to stay alive this long.
0: Right. It's like a punishment. And I think that also like, obviously Lillian is the big heartbreaker here, but I do feel like um, the director having this, you know, how stressed he is and whatever, because he's not introduced as like a sympathetic character at first. And it seems pretty short, but you do kind of flip and you're like, of course, like, what would I do? I think it's like a, an instance of like putting yourself in that situation, at least for me. and like. You can quit, and then it's going to be even worse. Or you can try to like provide basic, basic level, and like you know, I'm talking like shelter and food. That's it. That's yeah. really all you're providing, right. right? But like, is that better than nothing? It's like your classic, like I feel like sometimes. Um, actually, it's your, classic Sophie's,
1: it's your no. classic Sophie's
0: choice. It's your classic Sophie's
1: choice. I just <laughs> take people out
0: on the street, or do I give them a the blanket? Um, you know, I feel like sometimes we on the left actually get a little bit too, like, it's either all or nothing. And, like, of yes. course, I'd prefer it not be that. You know, we, we kind of, I think, have trouble sometimes seeing that, like, with the circumstances that are in place, you can't just totally fix it as you would like. And sometimes yes. you have to kind of accept, like, a halfway solution. Right. Um, and that's what, that's what he has here, you know?
1: Right, exactly. And I think, you know, anyone who's worked in social service always has to make those choices because you're always in our capitalistic society you're fighting from the bottom you're never you're never so fully equipped and like have things the way that quote unquote we think it should be right so, right exactly and
0: yeah. what
1: so what's so interesting too is you know sophia makes a comment which is you know sort of like an american trope at this point like why don't we take care of um our elderly the way they do in japan right and so you know i especially because of this show not doing sort of racial lines very well, I wanted to say like, all right, I've heard this my entire life, but like, is it actually true? Is it just that we like say that it's some reverence, but it's the thing is there is a cultural reverence as there has been for hundreds of years, right? Just part of Japanese culture of like respecting the elderly, which is something we do not have here in America, at least from, from the (laughs) at least from the like white super founding fathers perspective right in this whole like american individualism i'm not talking about individual families in america because obviously we come from everywhere so people have different values but but from a practical standpoint like directly tying into this whole reagan cutting you know crazy amounts of money is there is like a really great japanese welfare state just in general but also like because of the value system that a lot of uh japanese folks have it is seen as like a social concern not a private concern to take care of the elderly so even in like in 2000 the year 2000 um japan introduced the long-term care insurance act or whatnot or it's just like this blanket social service that was of course plugged into regular social services that they have that americans don't And it's just like crazy comprehensive. It's one of the most comprehensive social care systems for the elderly in the world, and it's basically built around not leaving it entirely to private families, which is amazing. And you know, I mean, it's what a concept. It's crazy. So you know, basically, people over the age of sixty-five, like they, they go, like you know, once you're sixty-five, you basically talk to the government and like figure out like what your needs are. And then based on like, they produce a budget for you and provide the needs. Like, oh, what a fucking concept. It's amazing because they know that you've contributed to your society. <laughs> you're a citizen and you're worthy of, you know, living in a very kind way. That's not just like survivalist. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's incredible because it's, it's very personalized. It's not this blanket <laughs> you know, kind of like all or nothing policy of like, oh, everybody gets X amount of money or, or whatnot. And it's really, it's really individualistic. And, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So anyway, I just, I just wanted to point that out that it's like, yes, it's a trope that like they take care of their elderly in Japan, but it's actually true in both a practical standpoint as well as like the emotional, social, caring standpoint. <laughs> so yeah, it's just yeah. it just seems it's see it's one of those things where if you never look outside yourself or your own country or situation like it seems unbelievable to us as americans and i guarantee that in japan they're just like yeah it's just what you do what do you mean you don't have that <laughs> so,
0: yeah
1: anyway it's um fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think that that's like yeah. To your point, like we could have it if we wanted it, right? Like we just like don't. We have not chosen to pursue it.
1: We don't um, want it. And I mean, and and well, what you go going back, what you were saying earlier, like a lot of these cuts in the policies or the cruelty is the point. They're like you, if you haven't managed to save the money, or if you're not in a position to do so, or if X number of things happen to you, it's definitely your fault entirely, and you deserve. To be treated like this—that—that that, I mean—that's—that's that's what's behind these policies. There's no other excuse. There's no other. That's excuse. the American dream. <laughs> oh my Jeez, God. It's So so bleak. It's so bleak. But anyway. Uh, yeah.
0: Let's <laughs> the breasts. breasts are back in fashion.
1: <laughs> also, like man, the 1980s. It like the museums are giving huge bonuses. <laughs> I
0: no, I never got a bonus at a museum.
1: Oh man, I, we, we, we may, maybe got like, you know, a, a $15 Starbucks gift card one time or something.
0: 15, actually. Not, not enough like, to, to. An iPad,
1: actually. <laughs> that's, an that's true. Yeah. Oh my God. The, anyway, um, I digress. Yeah. It's like not nearly <laughs> enough, not nearly enough to buy a pair of boobs or fund someone at a nursing home for two years.
0: Certainly not. And, um, so, you know, it comes out with like breast to back and fashion, which is interesting because the Oscars were a couple nights ago and nothing else happened. It was only a conversation about breasts, but everyone was tweeting prior to, uh, you know, the very end um, about how many boobs there were. Like there was a lot of cleavage. There was a lot of like (laughs) low, um, Kristen Stewart was wearing, even Kristen Stewart was wearing like a, basically an open blazer. Um, The bosoms were out is the point. And it was, it was actually, it was a really, cool great fashion night for a number of reasons um when i every single tweet i saw about it i was like oh my god dress are back in fashion
1: <laughs> i love you You're like yeah it was a really cool night <laughs> yeah moving on <laughs> i don't know why i just really liked it
0: <laughs> no other thoughts i turned it off before the last hour so i i Yes.
1: <laughs> so great uh, um yeah, it's funny, the, the writers mention in, in the Jim Colucci book, um, how, like, definitely a side story about boobs is like, perfectly silly enough to balance, you know, the super heavy A story here, um, which I think was a great choice, because i mean just like, why are there 17 sets of hooters on the coffee table? I'm like, <laughs> the, uh, you know, they follow you as you leave the room, everything is just, it's really, it's good. It's like, it makes you have a nice little belly laugh and a smirk on your face. Um, while you're dealing with some really heavy shit on the other side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also like, you know, obviously the end is really, I want to talk about the end when we get to it. Cause I think it's a, Yeah, yeah. you know, I think that Blanche is always, she, and she is, she is selfish, but I think this is a real um, like easy point of why she's not just like a bad person. Like she is in fact, yeah. like very good person and she can see, you know, what, it's mixed with like her own vanity being filled as she, like you're probably looking for Dr. rosen's office, you know?
1: Oh my but god. That's that, it's such that is such a funny sketch, by the way. Like just the it's scene so that they paint good. with her just busting open, throwing open her blouse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing. Um and also like it's okay, so, great. so so that's going on. Um, so Fiat is also uh when she tricks Rose into busting Lillian out, like That's really good. It's like also like when um oh my god, what does she do? She comes back with like two of the wrong people and Rose is just like doesn't know what to do. She's like, what does she she can't get out of this like trickery? She feels like she needs to bring her.
1: (laughs) Even even before the two people though, where they have the guy and the woman in the wheelchair, you're like, How is this Lillian? It's two people. Yeah. <laughs> I before that, like you said you were Lillian. You think I'm here because I'm good with names? I, I mean it was like it was such a like sad note to hit about Alzheimer's and like the you know the affectation of folks that are in these nursing homes, but it was such a funny delivery. Like I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you said ma'am. you were Lillian. You're like, I I can't help it. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Oh my god. Seriously. But the um so Sophia in that whole scene, I really, I really like how you know, and this is totally in line with Sophia's, um, personality is like, I'm stopping at nothing for my friend. Like, I don't yeah. care if it's illegal. I don't care. You know, I mean, it's funny because there's some Dorothy cleanup involved, right. Where she says, after they bring Lillian home, she's like, well, I managed to call and like, check her out for the weekend. Right. Like and she's, Dorothy is like, right. there are implications here, ma. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. So, but, um, but it's, but I still do admire the whole hilarious story you know here is <laughs> see about checking in mom and then uh you know like 125 years old all of that is oh so funny god. it's a long oh, involved man. and somewhat sorted story if you want to get a better picture i suggest you read read the cassette of Chinatown <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> which oh my god what a great reference right for your sister your mother um yeah oh my god it's, it's really every it's it's really I mean that that's a good deep cut joke right for people who have seen Chinatown so I it's it's really amazing but um yeah but then the whole like story she goes off on remember the main she didn't you know I mean all yeah. of that it's just it's It's so funny because, again, we've mentioned this before, but, you know, as the seasons go on, starting in this season and moving to the end of the series, I think, you know, they just get so punchy and weirder. Yeah. (laughs) But there still is enough of a, like, grounding reality element to it, you know? Um, And I think her whole wacky story at the nursing home is grounded by, like, this line is like, if that's not true, my name isn't Sophia Pahawkins. (laughs) Just like it's really it's really great i just it's magnificent
0: to that point um i think they also do a really good job in this one with interweaving the stories before the end too like i'm just thinking of when Lillian comes home and she's talking to blanche and she's like of course (laughs) i had bigger breasts it's like oh my god it's such a
1: great line (laughs) almost as pretty as you so when when she delivers that line (laughs) Dorothy's face looking at Blanche, she has the fucking like shit eating smirk. It's so great because she's just like, what are you going to say to that, Blanche? (laughs) She knows it's so perfectly timed. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Oh my God. Holy shit. And thank God, because that comes off, uh, like I said, when, you know, when the episode really starts getting sad, actually, I mentioned it starts getting sad with the vase, but actually before that, when she talks about pancakes, right, where she's like, well, you weren't here yesterday, you know, and it really, uh, yeah. you start, you start seeing it happen. And then <laughs> she starts, she just gets a little dig in at Blanche, and it's the fucking <laughs> best. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you what you thought about sunny pastures in this old Victorian house right like as opposed to you know almost like a more clinical seeming environment of like what we would imagine a nursing home to be today
0: yeah it's interesting I actually have my notes I feel like it looks like like a rec center when they walk in um (laughs) yeah it's just like you know there's like one couch and like people like chatting over there um I guess I could see, I don't know, like, I feel like actually where I grew up, there's a lot of businesses in these like Victorian looking houses. And I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if there was like a senior center in there, a small one for sure. But I feel yeah. like, um, you know, they probably weren't in a position, obviously weren't in a position to do anything, any type of like development work in there. Um, And so they probably yeah. just like had to take what they could get. Um, but it's also interesting because like, I think that also this is the overarching message of the of the episode is like you know there's a million sunny pastures and especially in Miami where there's a million old people um probably honestly yeah. more than that million <laughs> like yeah, they they're everywhere and they all kind of just like blend in right like it's not like necessarily you could you know where like the strip of nursing homes is um that's fair yeah which, yeah, I feel like that's like sort of the thing. And uh, the other thing I want to say about sunny pastures is when they're all talking about it and Blanche has this, um, she says there weren't any sunny pastures in the South, which is a very yeah. hard thing to think and to say about like, you know, yeah. it's like the American South is a different place and we respect people. And yeah, it just
1: doesn't make any sense.
0: And in that same conversation- But her mother
1: is in, her mother is in right. a nursing home in the Mother's Day episode.
0: So right. at least yeah.
1: it, it happened later in life. <laughs> anyway. But I
0: guess also her mother's nursing home is like, also, but like Blanche has money,
1: right? So like her mother probably
0: is in a nice Fair. nursing home. Um, right. But I just think also it speaks to like her lack of, um, or like her privilege, basically, you know, like that, I think that's often how yeah. people with money are like, well, we don't have that. But it's like, no, you do. You just don't have to use it. Um, and then she totally, also in that same totally. conversation tries to like steer away from the talk of all of them aging, which I think is interesting because I feel like that's just like a defense mechanism. Um, and they're all kind yeah. of handling the Lillian situation in a different way. Like Dorothy obviously feels really burdened, but like motivated to help and Rose does too. And they all, they all feel that way. But I think like their initial response to this, like super, super negative, heavy thought is different and it's all very in line with their personalities. Yes. And I think Blanche kind of being like, Oh yeah, we're all gonna get old. Like, how about that? Like, yeah, how about some cheesecake or something like that? Like steering away is is also very in line with who she is.
1: Absolutely. It's funny when you say that, like how they're all handling it somewhat differently, even though they all do want to help. It like there's so many elements of this episode that remind me of other episodes, right? So like the end scene where it's like, you know, what happens when there's only one of us left, which of course is always quoted that Betty White says it. And of course she was the last one left. Right. And they're, they're plotting, <laughs> you know, to go to nursing home together. It feels very first episode. It feels very pilot. Where they're actually sort of like recommitting to each other. Right. To sort of stay together through thick and thin. Um, just like in the pilot, you know, they say like, even if we all get married, like that kind of thing. So, um, and then, you know, talking about uh, the the director of um, Sunny Pasture's, you know, Mr. Dan Cummings, like he and his whole shtick obviously reminds us of the dean of Blanche's uh, school, right? When she goes to report sexual harassment by Professor Cooper. And like, you know, you were, you were right, mentioning yeah. before that he is presented at first as an unsympathetic character, which of course, then it switches, right? He's not... <laughs> he's not a he's not a 7b kind of guy you know at the end of the the shtick you're on you're on his team (laughs) um but even also like the the Dorothy being worried about Sophia and sort of thinking ahead to the future of like we're lucky right now but like yes my mother's older and like she obviously already has been in a nursing home when she had a stroke and like there's all of those elements where like Dorothy is like handling a situation but in her mind it's a proxy for her own mother and her own relationship and then you know the whole idea of blanche wanting plastic surgery and like being super vain and then having this realization that like she actually doesn't necessarily need it at this time to like bolster her feelings about it I, there's just i i think what's interesting is like you know we all of these themes like they they do feel familiar but it doesn't feel like this episode is some sort of repetition um it doesn't you know it doesn't feel like it's copied necessarily but I think it's perfectly natural and that's what I love about the show because all of these natural reactions and elements they're all the same people they're all the same characters so of course they're going to come up and have the same types of feelings the same types of reactions you know the same types of actions within this space um but yeah it's it's just it's really interesting how they're all they're all committed and they're all involved and they're all like worried in sort of a different way.
0: Right. Something like this does make your seem rather small. Um, I think that, um, and even like when Rose, you know, Rose goes out and talks to, like finds the nursing home and comes home and she she, she does yeah. this a lot too, like to, to um, what you're saying about like- Yeah, the she like takes care of business. <laughs> she takes care of business, but she always like seems to miss one little detail. And she comes in and she's like, I got it. You know, like it's here, whatever. And it's $150 a month. And obviously, you know, things are different, like inflation, whatever. But I do think like, you know, people can't afford $150 a month. And Dorothy's reaction, I think, is a little exactly. misplaced. I think it's angry about the situation, not angry at Rose. But, correct, you know, yeah. she's like, who can, who has that? Like, nobody has that extra cash um and then I think it's also I just think it's so great when Blanche has this like epiphany of like I do like I have this money like what am I you know it's it's basically found money it's a bonus like she wasn't expecting it she didn't need it and I just think like I really want to highlight that we we and I think everybody sort of talks about Blanche being selfish but she's not selfish period like she can see that this money is gonna actually really help someone and she'll feel good about doing it but ultimately it's like okay so I can have plastic surgery that I don't even really I'm not even 100% sure that I want I just like recently just like you know she's older also she should she could have gotten this earlier if she wanted to I'm pro plastic surgery for the record if you want it but like you know why now and I just I think it's a really really It speaks to her as, like, and, you know, I I think there's something that you said that, like, maybe she, like, learned from living with the girls. I think she comes from a really rich, privileged family, and she was only really around other rich, privileged families. And I think, you know, it's hard to say whether Blanche from 20 years ago would have done this. Um, But that also speaks to another big theme of the Golden Girls, which is that you never stop growing
1: exactly exactly i think that's that's fascinating point about blanche and like the sort of like how her problems were always like away or like you know a, not inside her home in that way like you never had a, yeah, yeah i guess not not away like up close right like so this mm-hmm. is an up close thing it actually kind of reminds me of um you know when they're when max is like living with them and they're like oh my god this is fucking impossible and it's like the same <laughs> idea right where you're just like yeah just take care of her there's four of you and you're like But it's not that easy. You know, she needs specialized care and it's so emotionally draining and all of that. Um, Also to your point about the money, like it's, so that's 150 bucks is close to 350 bucks today, gearing up for inflation. And that's, so that like puts a little bit more in perspective. I mean, still 150 bucks for somebody today is still a big expense to tack on to your already insane life if you're living as an American or typical American. But- to add another 200 on that is, it's really wild.
0: Ugh, it's bad. It's bad. And I, I love, I Um, I, you know, the ending is great because I, it's, it, you're left with a really sad revelation. And then Sophia just, you know, that line of like, I'll be fine is just such a great way to
1: break it up. I know. I can take um, care of myself. Oh, thank God yeah. she says it right. Because it saves this like, exactly. you know, like terrible note. <laughs> it would be so
0: sad without that. Yeah. It, necessary and I I think it does a really
1: good job at like
0: leaving you I think you know that's another like point like this show can leave you thinking about something but not leave you feeling hopeless I guess in a way like I I think you are it's pretty impossible to watch this episode and not have that in your mind like the general you know the bigger thought because also the girls all have that right like they're happy they helped Lillian but they're all left with this like well what about everyone else feeling um and i oh, you know that's how you oh, yeah. that's the media is the message it it that's tv is important for activism and awareness
1: and you know tv is scholarly it is it is very much so it's yeah it's it's a really great balance to present it and especially presenting that scene after the whole like you know, she's old, she's sick, she needs better care right now. I agree. And i like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, to have the, to have it all sort of laid out for you in the office of the, the, you know, the head of study pastures of like really seeing what you were alluding to earlier of like, this guy is like, he, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating as hell and they're there to basically lodge a complaint and he doesn't disagree. But like, what else, what other resources does he have to help? And it's, right. yeah, it's really, you, you have, like you said, you just have to turn things over in your brain and it does force you to reflect on your own end of life, <laughs> you know, it <laughs> it's is. like even, you know, just like, even, even if it's not your grandparents or your parents right now, just yourself of like, what's, what's it going to look like? Like who, you know, what, where, what position am I going to be in basically? Yeah. You're know, like, I have better really of
0: my well. retirement contribution or something <laughs> because I'm not getting any help. Yeah.
1: But I mean, like, even that, like, come on, like, there's, you know, your retirement fund can be lost, like it was during the 2008 crisis, you can have crazy healthcare expenses, you know, I mean, all of these things, like, anything can happen as as they say, one way or another, we're all in the same boat, you know, so it's really, it's really fascinating. So everybody start a bosom account right now, just (laughs) to make sure you're covered. (laughs) Um. I do want to talk about uh, a couple great funny lines. <laughs> One of my favorites in this entire episode is the whole problems, problems, problems. The world's bringing me problems. And you are? We are the world. <laughs> I love <laughs> it's, it. <laughs> it's such a timely reference, but just delivered so coldly.
0: <laughs> the delivery and the cadence of this, is just like, it's like, she's just responding to it. And I, I feel like I have internalized that response in a way like I do think I'm often yeah. I feel like I deliver things responses in that exact cadence and it's from
1: this <laughs> it's so great because it's if you like dissect it it's it's a funny reference it's punchy it's dry and sarcastic but it's also sort of like her being like sorry bud this is the reality like <laughs> we're gonna add yeah. on to your ship." <laughs> Good. It's like preparing it. Um, I also love, you know, we keep getting more and more colorful Blanche stories of late, you know, but she does that whole long description in which she uses the term hoot owl, <laughs> which oh just sounds god. like the most <laughs> southern thing I've ever heard. Like a hoot owl. You're like, what are there other owls? I I'm, I'm so confused. Um and then just again speaking of like a cold finish, you know, it's like, no, nah, he was sent up the river on a morals charge. <laughs> oh my god, I mean that looks so good. <laughs> Oh my god. But also like I I looked up the true definition of a morals charge and it absolutely is like involving prostitution or potentially like soliciting uh a kid under the age of 18 for like interesting, you know, bad things. <laughs> so really <laughs> fucked <time>. up. <laughs> but just, you know, it just the twist of like delivering you know a a story that's supposed to be grounded in the present moment that has nothing to fucking do with anything
0: yeah (laughs) i mean i totally yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah yeah exactly um but yeah i you know it's i always love revisiting any episode but particularly the ones that i remember not watching a lot because there are you know, a lot, a lot more gems than I remembered. Um, and and it really frames up those like serious situations in a new way. And as we always discuss with the show and, you know, as we wrote in our paper, like the famous quote of like, it's not the same river and it's not the same you, you never experienced the show the same way twice and being older now and having older parents and like thinking about, you know, retirement and, you know, end of care life stuff is, it's much closer to me now than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, when I was watching more of these reruns more regularly. So um, yeah, it just, you know, as we said, it leaves you with something to think about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's all right. Anything else? That's all.
1: That's else? <laughs> no, that's all. Let's, wrap it, up. Let's <laughs> wrap it up. Well, join us next time. We're going to discuss Whirlybirds, Jackhammers, Windchill Wipers, and Charlie Horses. <laughs> Take care.